Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning again. It's good to be together. I am Reverend Amanda. How has summer been for you all so far? (laughs) All right. I feel like we just got there like eight days ago and now we are there through those like why do we even try on the subways mornings, right? Same. And through the hazy, slower summer days filled with bathing suits and bug spray, I also find my spirit disturbed by a few things. Anyone else? I'm thinking this morning about the rise of the group Moms for Liberty. For one, the group who bills themselves as protecting children, yet has already been named a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Moms for Liberty organized in 2021 to protest mask mandates went on to organize against the teaching of critical race theory and now push for banning books. Ones focused on affirming LGBTQ plus people and people of the global majority. The dangerous manipulation of words such as liberty and protecting and children are tropes that we've seen before and we know where they lead. And this highly disturbs my spirit. I'm disturbed still by SCOTUS's latest attacks on basic human rights, namely stripping protections from LGBTQ siblings, as well as affirmative action, moves so unsettling and outrageous that Matt Bernstein wrote this week, we live in a country that cares more about the imaginary persecution of white Christians than the persecution of anybody else. You know that case was made up, right? I need to be reminded this morning that there is a foundation that can speak to all of this, a tradition that can hold my restless spirit. Today's psalm offers such a balm. It's the final psalm of David, a summary of all he's learned about God. It expresses his personal commitment to worship Yahweh, yet it's about so much more than his individual praise. It's universal. It calls the entire creation to praise. In verses 10 through 18, which is a little further than we read, but the point remains, the word all appears 13 times. This is clearly a text that demonstrates the majesty and inclusiveness of God. Our Jewish siblings recognize the significance of this psalm by believing that everyone who repeats the Tehillah of David three times a day may be sure that they are a child of the world to come. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 145 beautifully recognizes God's majesty and God's unique tender care for us. It is comforting, isn't it, Geraldine? Yes, it is. But one that we rightly may have trouble digesting at times. Also right? 
when we've just lost our partner to cancer or have a new diagnosis ourselves, God's tenderness feels trite. When we can't make this month's rent or next year's because the rent is too damn high, we question God's care for us. When extremist groups attack in the name of Christianity, God's graciousness and goodness are difficult to understand. And so I found myself this week drawn to a specific verse in here. Verse 13. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. God's dominion lasts throughout all generations. There's a timelessness to this verse that I find simultaneously comforting and compelling. It preaches to me that my sense of time, my sense of urgency, and having it all good and right is finite. But God's plan is ongoing. It's in movement. It places us in a continuum of both God's love and the work we need to do. As God's kingdom is everlasting and in movement, so must be our work towards freedom. The world God desires isn't stagnant. It never just appears. We see glimpses of it, but it's never just finished. It's everlasting, enduring, abounding in love, yes, but there is no magical day of liberation we do not make. The brilliant Miriam Kaba, who attended our recent resource fair, teaches. We participate in the everlasting kingdom of goodness by continually making it so. How do we do that? We don't have enough time for that, and I don't know all the ways. But another friend of Middles and frequent conference keynote speaker, the very Reverend Kelly Brown Douglas, once said, that in order to live as people of soul in this nation with a warring soul, we must be accountable to God's just future. As God's kingdom is everlasting, so must be our commitment and accountability to God's justice. For me, that includes the ongoing work of anti-racism practice and embodiment. I first became aware of my racialized identity as a white person in third grade. My good friend Casey Stubblefield and I were talking one day on the playground. We lived in the small conservative town of Georgetown, Kentucky, so it was no surprise that church was a topic of conversation for us cool eight-year-olds. Where do you go to church? I asked Casey. I go to the Baptist church in town, she said. My dad's the pastor there. Wait, I go to the Baptist church in town, I said. And I've never seen you there, and your dad's not my pastor. I don't remember what was said next, but I recall realizing for the first time that I was white and Casey was black, and internalizing that everyone that I went to church with was white. And I surmised then that probably most people Casey went to church with were black. Though not as intentional and as informed as it is now, that began a life's work 
of anti-racism and divesting from whiteness. Never a place to which I will fully arrive, never complete, but rather a daily divesting from an ongoing unlearning of how I've been groomed to be white and learning what I can rather from other people, people of the global majority who've endured generations of resisting white supremacy and formed systems of care, solidarity, joy, and resilience to which we all should take note. This is long work. It's messy work. It's admitting I don't know everything, I will make mistakes work. It's rightly uncomfortable, introspective, and life-altering. It's kingdom work. It looks like when I brought my son Levi into the doctor's office after he broke his elbow, and we truly at the time had no explanation for how it happened, realizing the reason I wasn't questioned for negligence is because of my class and that I am white. And letting that awareness continually inspire me to uplift racial disparities in medicine and do what I can to rechart the course. It looks like making mistakes, but by the grace of God being held. Like the time I called my friend Melissa, who is black, after the Women's March of 2016, asking her to help me understand why there was resistance by so many black women about this march. Yeah, I did. I called and asked her that. Well, for starters, she said, I'll just tell you one little thing. When I stopped to tie my shoe during the march on the mall and I bent down, a white woman touched my hair. Among other things, she instructed, read some bell hooks, she said. And read I did. And my ongoing anti-racism work, AKA accountability to God's justice, continued. What does the long work of freedom, staying accountable to God's justice, look like for you? Is it intentional rest, meditation, service, Organizing, decolonizing, peacemaking. Just as with the psalm, our work is both individual and collective. This afternoon, as Elise mentioned, we have the opportunity to engage in conversation about the work necessary to continue to welcome over 61,000 new migrants to our city. Middle has responded to our new neighbors in a myriad of ways the needs are overwhelming and ongoing. Join us in the social hall to think about a sustained response. Welcoming asylum seekers and breaking down invisible borders is long kingdom work. Last Thursday, Anthony, where's Anthony? Hey, Anthony. Elise and I, along with Lauren online, who is in Canada, met with our partners at Trinity Lutheran, site of our Freedom Summer, where we have, as Elise said, 28 children registered to learn and play with us this summer. <laughs> Raising children with liberation lenses is long kingdom work. 
Every Sunday, our Butterfly Ministry makes and delivers foods in Tompkins Square Park. Meeting the crisis of food insecurity is long kingdom work. Every Monday, a group from here volunteers at Judson Memorial's Mutual Aid Center. Extending radical hospitality is long kingdom work. Every Sunday, or at least a lot of them, you show up here to sing, usher, pray, and hope. Rehearsing the reign of God, as Jackie often says, is long kingdom work. Freedom is a constant struggle. The Barbara Dane and the Chambers Brothers song reminds us, how are you sustaining yourself in it? The prophet Habakkuk helps us. Write the vision, make it plain so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. It seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. The vision of God's just kingdom is everlasting and good. The work between now and then is the work. It's the freedom work. And not if, but when it seems to tarry. Wait for it. It will surely come. The point of protest isn't winning. It's holding fast to the promise of freedom. Amanda Gorman reminds us. Life has a way of threading us in the most profound and sometimes magical ways, doesn't it? Some of you know that I eventually became really good friends with Bell Hooks, the late esteemed author and cultural critic. Yes, the Bell Hooks a friend told me to read early in my understanding of the violence of white feminism. How, to quote Bell, there could be no real sisterhood between white women and women of color if white women were not able to divest of white supremacy. I cherish our long talks of freedom, our singing spirituals, praying, gossiping, spilling our drinks together. I remember asking her one day, how might we be in this long kingdom work, you who have done it your whole life? How are we going to continue to wrestle with the patriarchy and capitalism and the new ills of every morning? She smiled, closed her eyes, leaned back, and said, we're going to use our radical imaginations and chew lots of juicy fruit gum. <laughs> the day I found out Belle died, I sat with my older three kids in the median right outside Lincoln Center. You know the one under the Empire Hotel in front of PJ Clark's, and openly wept. I shared with my kids all our unrealized plans, how we were going to start our own church, write a children's book together, open a tea spot in downtown Berea. What would the name of the church be? Zane asked. I don't know, Zane, I sighed. Freedom Land, he declared. I think it would be called Freedom Land. Friends, our assurance is that God's kingdom is everlasting, that God's goodness and mercy continue throughout the generations, and in as much, we remain in movement. 
We do the continual work of freedom, and we understand that we need nothing other than our very humanity to participate, not even a belief in God. We are in community with each other. When we are in community with each other, we get to be unsure. We get to be human. We get to just exist. God's promises are not conditional. They are available to all. And they are the antidote to the fear and violence spewed at us by right-wing extremists. Because being accountable to God's just future does not look like erasing affirmative action, passing homophobic laws, and cowering to racist abortion tropes. It looks like creating windows and doors for people who believe in justice to enter. Angela Davis teaches us that. What windows and doors does your life have? What windows and doors have you, like me, been graciously welcomed into? What windows and doors does this church, this movement, offer? Where can people enter? Where else can you? May the distress our souls feel at injustice be quelled by the promises of God's everlasting justice. May it spur us further in the long work to which we are called. Angela Davis again. Don't we want to be able to imagine the expansion of freedom and justice in the world? If this is the case, we're going to have to do something quite extraordinary. We will have to go to great lengths. We cannot go on as usual. We cannot pivot the center. We cannot be moderate. We will have to be willing to stand up and say no with our combined spirits, our collective intellects, and our many bodies. Let's create that freedom land. What do you say, church? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.